Your business exists because you had the idea to start it. Everything begins in our minds. That's why your business results cannot outgrow your current level of thinking. Do you want to serve more clients, make more money, without working more or burning yourself out? Grow yourself first as a leader of your business, because that's who you are, a leader, even if you're the only person in your business right now. When you lead yourself first, the business results will always follow. My name is Maggie Perotkin. I'm an international business and leadership coach, an expert in business mindset, strategy, and high performance. I created the Diamond Effect podcast to help you elevate your thinking, expand your perspective, and through it, grow your business without overwhelm. So let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to Diamond Effect Podcast, episode 120. Today, I have one of my clients with me, Andrew Springer, and we'll talk about growing your business through continuous improvement. But before we start, I wanted to ask you, Andrew, to introduce yourself to the audience or listeners, however you're getting this podcast, and also tell the audience what made you to sort of hire me as a business coach to help you with your practice, because I really do find that in Canada, business coaching or coaching overall, it's not as popular yet or not as widely adopted as it is in the U.S. Well, th- thank you for having me, Maggie. My name is Andrew Springer, as Maggie said. I'm a chiropodist, foot specialist by profession. I've been in practice now for 40 years, 20 of those in private practice in Toronto and now exclusively in the Oshawa and Durham region. And um, I was trained to treat disorders, diseases, dysfunctions of the foot, but I wasn't trained to run a business. And when I reached a point where I thought there has to be a better way to do the things that I'm doing, but I'm not the person to know how to do it, I reached out to people that I trusted, and uh, Maggie was the person that was uh, pointed in my direction. So I thank you for taking the time with me over the last months to help me see my business more clearly and, and work it uh, at, at growing it. And I guess the thing too is we were not trained to see our practice as a business. We were trained to see it as right. a means of helping people. And so we have to step back and look at things a little differently. As yeah. Well. Yeah. And you know what? That's actually an interesting point because I guess and maybe that's in the medical realm that like helping patients is different than running a business. But when I think about the business is business is about helping people, right? We just have different uh, solutions. We solve different problems. Every business solves a different problem, right? So as a medical practice, you solve your patient's problems, which is still a business for me from like business coach perspective. So it's interesting that that's, as you say, like, it's not always taught that in, you know, medical colleges or schools. So that's interesting to know. Um, We're taught to be altruistic. We're here to help the people. And whatever reward may come of that comes of that. And, And that's not reality. That doesn't necessarily put food on the table. Right. And even pays the bill to run the practice. <laughs> like there right. is some cost to even run the practice. So for sure, for sure. So 
what I wanted to say is that, you know, with you, because you you have an established practice, and let's just say you are experienced in running that practice, the, you know, the, the strategy or how we approach to, you know, business coach and improve your practice was very methodical and mostly through continuous improvement. And I'm a big fan of continuous improvement. And what that means is like looking at things almost like a farming, right? When we look at things, at the processes, at the patient experience, front end, back end, and looking for improvements in an established business, sometimes the improvement is very small and um, kind of, it seems sometimes like, oh, what am I going to do with this small? But when you improve, when you add those small improvements to like the results compound and you have been great ultimately in you know us working together finding them and then you implementing them one by one so i wanted to ask you first of all to share how this experience of that continuous improvement have been for you so far and what is your secret to successful implementation? Because many people have great ideas and they love the ideas, but then they don't actually implement. And the secret is in the implementation. Well, I think, Maggie, the first thing is that we had to bring to the very conscious level, what is it that we wanted that patient experience to be? We have a feeling inside, a sense of what we want, but we had to now really be able to articulate that before we could then start to look at how can we improve it? So we yes. defined it, then we started to break it down into sections, and then we started to look at opportunities for improvement. And the implementation then, uh, it can be overwhelming. And the thing was to be able to break down what needed to be done into manageable pieces mm -hmm. and set realistic goals. Yeah. So that he never at any time said, I can't do this, but it, but instead left with, here is my goal, here is my task, and have self-imposed deadlines as well to, mm -hmm. to try and uh, create those because you want to see the results of those. And it compounds simply because when you start to see the results, it motivates you to continue to implement, to find other ways and to grow those things. Yes, yes. That's a, such a good point because that's the thing. When we see the positive results, then we're definitely more motivated. But as you say, in the meantime, you're still running the practice, right? The patients are still coming. You still need to serve them. So carving that i call it like ceo time right so the time where i spend to work on my business or on my practice to improve for long-term benefits of everybody patients and yourself can be challenging at the first time so that i'm going off script here but do you have any any tip of how did you do that? How did you carve out, even if it was a little pocket of time, because you're right, we broke it down into such small uh, pieces that it was manageable, but still it's not like you were sitting on, you know, hours and hours of time that you had available. So how did you carve that time? Well, I, I think we get uh, stuck in the rut of working in the business. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult to step back and see, as you said, we need to work on the business as well. And nothing will change unless we can we can do that. Mm -hmm. So you have to now say this is just as important and make appointments with yourself 
to do that. Now, the time may change. You might say, I do this at Friday at 11.30, but next week, Friday at 11.30 doesn't happen, so you don't do anything. Mm -hmm. But instead, you have to say, I need that time. This is a task I need to accomplish and make another appointment to get that done. Mm -hmm. So once you make a commitment to yourself that I am going to grow this business, then you start to say, this appointment is as Mm -hmm. important as any other appointment. And you don't say, I'll do it when I have time, if I have time, if I have energy, when I feel like it, because those things never get done. Those are just like exercise programs that happen on January 1st and end on January 10th. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so valuable because you're right. First, you got to be committed and decide where you want to do it and then do it or make it happen the same way you would make happen anything else that's important to you. So then going on that, because... There is one thing to then, you know, make yourself accountable and implement the improvement you need to make. But there is also you have staff, right? So there is also part of those improvements affected them. So then leading the staff to implement the change. And as human beings, naturally, we are all resistant to change, right? So you might have your motivation as a practice owner or a business owner, but the staff, that's not their business, right? And then they're used to doing one thing for a certain amount of time, and now they got to change. And you were very successful in leading your staff in those improvements. So again, my question is, how did you do it? Part of it, I think, is you need to have staff that is committed to the vision and mission of your business. And if they're not, As they say, a team is only as fast as its slowest horse. They're not going to be running along with you. So that's that's very important to ensure that your staff are there with you and that that vision is clear and articulated and they buy into that. Mm -hmm. Then having said Mm -hmm. that, they need to understand your goals. It doesn't make sense to show up on Monday morning and saying we're changing A, B, C, and D, Mm -hmm. and they don't know why. But if you have and share common goals... And then you're able to say, all right, I found a way that we can move towards goal A. Let's do this. Or better yet, my suggestion is we do this. Do you have any input on that? Any thoughts? Mm -hmm. They are part of it. They collaborate with that. They feel that they have some say in the decision-making process. They'll buy in. And now we're working together towards that. And that's very important. So I've always taken things to the staff and said, Here's where I want to end up. Here's mm-hmm. what I think. Have any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. And that's so powerful, especially with the parts of the processes or the business that they're involved in, right? That they do every day. They might actually, as you say, like there is one thing when we strategize and we think about it, and they might have even better ideas or ideas that add even more value to whatever you bring to the table just because they do certain parts of that day to day. But also, even if they don't, they might have a different perspective from their role. So that's that's an amazing approach. So you're right. Like, so um, I think, Jack, well, yeah, sorry, go ahead. So we have to be open to that feedback. Yes. But we also have to remember, you've always said, you know, you're the CEO. We have to have that vision going in. Yes. And uh, share the vision. Yes. But but you hold the vision. Don't expect them to give you a vision. You have the vision. Yes. Yes. And they can help you get there through their experience, 
their perspective and and what they see day to day, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that, you know, when I was doing my MBA, it was Jack Welch Management Institute. So he wrote a couple of books. And then I don't remember, I think it was in the winning what he said when he was the CEO of General Electric and he did the, um, he did meet staff of certain plants, right? General Electric was huge and they did a bunch of stuff, but he, one of the things that one of the plant workers told him that he never forgot and then brought it on when he became CEO is that, you know, you hired me for my hands because there were, you know, manual kind of labor workers, but you can also have my brain if you only asked, right? And that's sort of, I think he had that like a newer manager or plant manager, and he always remembered that and brought it in. And that was one of his also like leadership, you know, foundations and so on to ask your staff, use their brain mm-hmm. because their input can be invaluable. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So then what I wanted to talk is because, of course, part of our work was figuring out marketing strategy that was, you know, in compliance with your college and, and you know, as a medical practitioner, there, there are limits to what you can do in marketing, as opposed to when I coach, you know, my clients who have other businesses and they're not as regulated or not regulated as much. Um, but then we talked about the video, right? And going video and doing video. And, you know, I've noticed it with myself when I started my business or any of my clients who are maybe like 40 and over, we have way more resistance to going on video than let's say my younger generation clients who were sort of born in the age of video and, you know, social media and just being online. So I wanted to ask you, how did you overcome your resistance towards video and your, I guess, natural shyness? And yeah, share some tips with, you know, the the viewers, the listeners who are maybe in their head thinking, well, I think I know I need to go on video, but I'm scared. I have resistance. What helped you? Well, one is just the commitment to wanting to help people. And it was an opportunity to get the message out there. So I have to admit, when I started, I did take after take after take after take. <laughs> but the the determination was just do it. Mm-hmm. When I was when I was uh, a student in high school, my dad, who was a, uh, a school principal, uh, and I was having trouble doing an essay, he said, "Just start writing, just mm-hmm. start." Mm-hmm. And that that lesson stayed with me. So I just started, and we have to remember that there are not three million people behind that camera looking at us right now. It's just a camera. Mm-hmm. So now think of one person that's there that you want to share this message with. And it's important that they have that message. And all of a sudden, then you take yourself out of that picture and you're helping that person. Mm-hmm. And that that made it a big difference for me. I didn't feel like I was doing a performance anymore. I mm-hmm. didn't feel I was tooting my own horn. I just felt mm-hmm. I was helping somebody, which was the. Yeah. That's powerful. And yes, focusing on that one person, focusing on how we can help them through the message we have, the tip we give, or the whatever we were talking about in the video can help you overcome. So 
Thank you for sharing that. Um, so then another question that I have is maybe if you could share some tangible positive results that you've seen from the implementation of improvements, because um, we're talking like very gener generic, but sometimes the, you know, the audience wants to see like, okay, okay, great. But where, what were they? Like, what can you actually create or achieve when you are committed to that continuous assessment improvements? One, because sometimes it can be tedious, right? And it requires a focus and commitment to the regular review. So if you could share some, that would be awesome. Certainly. Well, one of the things that uh, <clears throat> I did, we looked um, a long time before you and I met Maggie, we looked to see where our referrals were coming from. Yeah. And um, there, the, the greatest growth was in the area of online, but we also realized that um, the largest source of referrals were from family doctors within the region. Mm -hmm. So I started to develop um, um, a database of, of doctors, and then I started to send a newsletter out to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that you suggested and I followed was that um, I would be more consistent and more frequent in the time that I sent it out. Mm -hmm. And what we are seeing as a result of that, I just simply set up a schedule. I didn't do it arbitrarily. I set up a schedule, mm -hmm. followed the schedule. We talked about the timing. I I, I created a bank of those newsletters. And yep. all I had to do was sit down on the appointed date and send it out. And uh, it's, it's all automated. So literally, even though I was sending to uh, 268 doctors, drives me nuts that I never hit 270, but we'll get there. <laughs> we'll but, get there. Uh, it literally would take me 10 minutes or less. Yeah. And yeah. once the newsletters were done, it out, it out it went. The results that I saw, though, is that I started to get referrals from physicians that I've never met Yeah. on a consistent yeah. basis, as well as I even had um, a physician at a facility that I was not sending the, the newsletter to because I didn't know them, send a copy mm. back and ask to be added to the list. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and another one who uh, referred a patient and had crossed out a referral to elsewhere, mm -hmm. and they were told, no, they must come and see me. Yeah. So just by being consistent, getting the name out there, providing. And in this case, my customer was the the, the doctor that I yeah. was giving them information that could help them with their patients. Right. Um, just by doing that, that increased my, my referrals right. on a consistent level. Right. And that's what I wanted to add. Like, like you were providing value, right? It wasn't just a newsletter saying, hey, refer your patients, right? Like, no, there was a value in that newsletter. And, and, as long as we do that, people will appreciate. And as you say, people will want to be part of that newsletter because they they value or they they can benefit from what we offer, right? Like that's what I always teach. Sometimes my clients get in their heads and they're like, oh, I'm gonna bug them. And you know, if I send a newsletter with on a certain schedule, I'm gonna bug my people and they will not want to receive. And I'm always of of mindset that if you actually provide value in what you send, your people will want it. And and just that's a proof that, yeah, your people want it. And there's some new people that also want it. So then they contact right. you to be part of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But the other thing that changed in the mindset over the mm -hmm. years was that 
they don't care how good I am. The -hmm. patients want to know how I can help them. Yeah. So the message has to be focused on how can I help them? That's what they want to know. And the doctors want to know how either I can help them or how I can help them to help their patients. Yeah. So it really isn't about saying I'm fantastic. It's about saying, here's how I can help you. Yeah. And people do take to that message because that's what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's really universal across the board in business, right? In business, it's about your customer having a challenge or having a goal and then just wondering, can you help me? Can you help me overcome my problems or my challenges? Can you help me achieve my goal? And if you can, I'm in. I don't care what schools you finished. I don't care what's your title. I don't care none of it other than can you help me? And if we can communicate that well, if we can communicate in a way that our clients understand that and see clearly how, they're in. They're in. Yeah. And for those of us in healthcare and people people in many other professions and areas, we got into them because we wanted to help people. Yeah. yeah. So there should be no hesitation in sharing that message mm-hmm. because this mm-hmm. is what we wanted to do in the first place. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. Um, okay. So is there anything else that maybe I didn't ask you that you wanted to share with the audience? Probably. Just that we can always do better. And we should never be shy about looking for ways and means and opportunities to improve what we provide. We may be quite proud of what we do, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But there may be a better way. And ask, just ask questions. Mm-hmm. And you'll get the information. My dad used to say, You're only stupid once. Ask. <laughs> and the smartest people I know are not afraid to say, I don't know, because soon they will. And yeah. they know more than the rest of us. Yeah. 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 I love that. <laughs> I love your saying. I might adopt it from your dad. <laughs> it's not copyrighted. You're welcome to it. <laughs> Thank you. I will give him credit. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So if people wanted to find you, whether they want to learn from you and your tips or they're a local to Oshawa and they need a chiropodist and they need help, how can people find you? You can find me on LinkedIn. Just look for Andrew Springer. Uh, On Facebook and Instagram, look for The Foot Advantage. And uh, our website is www.thefootadvantage.com. Perfect. And we will share those links in the show notes or in any comments, wherever this will put them um, on other platforms, the, the interview. So we'll share that. But thank you so much, Andrew, for agreeing to do this with me. I appreciate your time. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. And thanks for all your help, Maggie. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If this podcast resonated with you, please come back. Also, you can leave a review on whatever platform you're listening. And if you have a suggestion, question, or a topic you would like me to talk about, let's get in touch via email. Email me at maggie at stairwaytoleadership.com. See you in the next episode.